the whole state suffers. Uh, this one, uh, all the way from Kumasi, from Sami says, listening to the plight of the retired Dr. Marquis and Mr. Ahene, my heart was really saddened. If the finance minister with, uh, as a word, I'm not sure I can use it, goes ahead to include these individual bondholders in the debt exchange program, the unquenchable wrath of God, we beg you, would rather come upon the Ga- upon Ghana forever. Sami, I don't think all of us have to suffer in that. This one from Newtown, Nikojo tells us that if you take up an office and fail to deliver your mandate, the best and honorable thing to do is to resign and let others take up the mantle. Uh, this one all the way from North Kaneshi, Adam tells us, truth be told, this is the cruelest and most, um, another word, government that ever ruled this country. They should now, they should now bow their heads in shame. It's not a crime to invest in government um, today. Uh, this one from Patrick in Accra, he says, NDC is becoming lazy in opposition. Wheelchair 90-year-olds are on the streets demonstrating and NDC is fighting about where uh, Honorable Haruna um, should sit in parliament. Well, uh, this one without a name, unfortunately, says that we, we the people of Ghana are not angry enough. If we are really angry enough, the leaders in power will not be where they are now. And Evans? Mm. A few of you, strong views there. Uh, this is obviously one of those conversations that engenders uh, a lot of passion. Grateful that you could connect with us tonight. Uh, thanks to Abdul Karim, Efo Dela is a blogger, Isaac Randolph, Carl Olympio, a corporate lawyer and founder of Agency 77, and a business advisory firm in Ghana, Kojo uh, Daddy, who connected with us from Canada, and all of you who listened in and sent us messages. Enjoy the rest of your evening. This is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Friday beckons the weekend, meaning it's yet another time for the locker room. Thank you for sticking with 99.7 Joy FM Radio for discerning listeners. And on the locker room, we preview all of the weekend's action. But, you know, in the last, in the past month, we have brought you special conversations with some of you know Ghana's biggest and biggest and entertaining, as well as controversial sports personalities. About a month ago, we spoke to Mohamed Kudus after a, you know after a very interesting World Cup campaign he had. Obviously, Ghana's top performer. A week later, we also brought you the conversation with Baba Rahman, who splits the fan base here in Ghana because of what many described as you know subpar performances. Later on. The, in the subsequent week, we also break the conversation with the, I know, 
former world champion Isaac Dodbe, who is looking at Garen to win another world title on April 1st, preparing for a very big bout. And the following week also brought the conversation with Joshua Clotty, another uh, former world champion. And uh, we are looking to just, you know, enter this year with that vibe and that agency Ghana Sports has always been looking for. Also, we've had conversations with Deborah Aqua and Benjamin Azamatu while doing brilliantly in their various and respective indoor seasons in, uh, in their respective U.S. bases. So today, the conversation will be no different. As well, we have today as well. We have a very interesting personality, one many of you are very uh, familiar with. And just in case you might not be sure so who he is, just take a listen to this. Dennis, I know that now the full loyal now the full naughty was part of the um, normalization committee. In fact, she was specifically in charge of the status review. And I also know that this one. He's also involved. And I know some members of the committee whose position I know before. I've heard them say it, say it several times on your network that, oh, Oracle Sinyantechi's term, the first term and the second term was very good. Now, until the third term, things got messed up. I hear them saying every day. I hear them saying this on radio. So then my point is we had a normalization committee. They came up with proposals for our status and all that, and we met and we discussed it and approved. Not it will interest you to know that I participated in this uh, uh, status revision discussion throughout the period. In fact, the members of the normalization committee, specifically Madam, who was in charge of it. And well, for the unfamiliar, the voice you just heard was that of George Fourier, former FA vice president to Christine Yanchetti. Christine Antiti. Um, in 2019, he contested for the main seat following the period of normalization, uh, which was necessitated by Anas's, you know, uh, number 12 video, the expose, which shook the roots of Ghana football. Unfortunately, he lost. He lost the incumbent, the current FA president, Keto Craig, who has been running affairs of the of Ghana football for some three years now. This year. The FA will enter into another period of Congress. And the issues of football, Ghana's football, are cropping up again. Division and the continuous conversations, the continuous rumors of nepotism and all other stuff Ghanaians are well familiar with. In the first round in, 20, in 20, the earlier elections, George Efri and Keto Kreku were the fiercest rivals. In that, in that first round, Keto Kreku secured 44 votes. George Efriye had, had 40. Nana Arapusa, Kotokos CEO, had 27. Before Fred Papa, who was also very linked with the FA, had just 6 votes. In the second round, Keto Kreku again had 59 votes. And his closest contender, George Efriye, managed to get 43 votes. And Nana Arapusa had 16 votes, meaning Keto Kreku won the election and He's been in charge of affairs for a very long time now. And as we get into, as we get prepared to get into another round of elections to find a new president for Ghana football, my colleague Nathaniel Atto caught up with George Fier once again to find out if he's interested in running against Keto Kreku for a second time for the top job. It's about it's a conversation of about 40 minutes and one you're going to enjoy very much. So you continue to stay tuned to 99.7 FM and enjoy this conversation.
long time no see. <laughs> great, great, great. It's, it's always good to see you. Yeah, um, nice to see you. Yeah, you look well. Well, we keep in shape in this world. If you want to grow old, you can grow old. <laughs> if, if you still want to uh, look young, you can look young. You just have to exercise, control your diet, and then you pray to God that He gives you grace. And play a bit of football as well? Um, <laughs> yes, one of those uh, old player stuff, the Sunday stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, once in a while, why not? You know, we've been we've been through a whole you know a whole period of um stories and happenings in our football we attended the fifa world cup we saw what happened immediately after that we went to the chan and we also saw what happened let's begin with the chan and ghana's performance there there were those who said from word go that the team was not going anywhere there were those who also expressed a lot of hope especially because of that the kind of quality material we had but hey we couldn't make it it's as simple as that. Well, um, sometimes I really don't want to dwell too much on successes of the national team as the base of our development. Uh, we tend to judge. Isn't it supposed to be a reflection of, 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 our, of our development and how well our development is going? Well, There's always the talk about how... If our juvenile teams are performing, for instance, then we know that in the next few years, we're going to have a solid national team. Okay, so Nat, if you agree with me and you walk the line with me, you understand that we shouldn't be expecting too much from our various national teams. The question is, have we laid the solid foundation that merit the kind of successes that you are looking for? The answer is no. If you lay a good foundation, yes, of course, then you can anticipate and expect that in competitions like the Chan, first of all, you first have to look at our local league, look at our juvenile setup, the juvenile national teams, which are supposed to be the base where the players will be promoted into various national teams, especially the senior ones, Chan, be it IH Chan or the Black Stars. For me, looking at what is going on, it's very difficult, very, very difficult to be too hopeful that going into a competition like the Chan or the World Cup, we're going to do very well. I think that when we took over from normalization committee, the job was cut for the new administration to lay a solid foundation and expect growth or expect some successes to come at the end of, the, of, of some competitions. But for me, that has not been the case. That has not been the case. That is why I think that we have not laid a solid foundation to merit our hope for, for successes in various competitions. For me, I, we've not done that. I've seen some journals and all, you know, do ratings um, of different sorts, especially ratings of the quality of, of the leagues that are played in Africa. Um, at the last count, we did not see Ghana in the top 10. And I guess that that is something that goes along with what you're saying. But not necessarily. For your own, yes. So I'm coming to that. For your own rating of our league, you know, holistically, I mean, where would you place our, our league? Because, I mean, we're talking about value, we're talking about quality, and we're talking about the levels of entertainment and all of that. You see, I want to link my answer still to the Chan. Okay. Okay, the current champions of Chan, the eventual winners, Senegal, how do you read their, their league? I don't think the Senegalese league is even better than the Ghanaian league, for me, if you ask me. But I'm still saying that if you lay a solid foundation, and I'm talking of development of players, development of football, if you lay a solid foundation and you come around Ghana, be it Division 2, be it Division 1, Premier, you should get quality players to represent Ghana, irrespective of the position of our league in terms of ranking. Because with, 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 with uh, Senegal, Senegal as eventual winners, they have rubbish that analogy. Because you and I will agree that when it comes to African football, I mean club competitions, club competition, I'm talking of uh, calf inter-club competitions, the Super Cup, uh, the, the Champions League, 
the the calf uh, FA Cup. No, what do you call it? The calf. Uh, the super champions. Or no, the no, the confederation. We have the Cup. Champions League and the other one. The confederation cup. The confederation cup. Calf confederation cup and calf champions league. If you look at the club, the clubs that have dominated over the years, is the North Africans. Once a while, TP, a certain TP Mazimbi comes through. You understand what I'm saying? So if you are using that as a measure, then going to Chan, we shouldn't expect too much. We, we, we should expect those North Africans to do well at the Chan. Yes, the eventual host, the eventual host came second, or they were the finest, the, fin uh, the runners-up to, to, to Senegal. So for Senegal winning the competition, they've rubbished that. So it means that, yes, even in the past, when Ghana was not doing that well, we've been to two finals. So I don't really want to use that. That's so if I get you clearly, it's more of a tournament mentality and something extra which we are not able to develop in our players here on the local scene. You Is see, that it? You see, you are going into a tournament. Let me use the last under-17, for example. The under-17 is the first point of our youth development, not coast in terms of the national team ranking. I'm not using youth development as coast under 12, under 15, and not, not that one. I'm talking of in terms of the, the national team. It was supposed to be even under 15, but the under 15 is in non-existence. It's just by name. Because the last time I checked, I don't remember the under, under 15s taking part in any competitions. But then with the under 17, be the first point of proper development from the youth. In the past, three years or four years, we've had four different coaches. How is that development? In the past four years. So it means that you have not have a plan, a program that you are going to execute to make sure that this program reflects at the top. You need to groom from 17 to 20 to 23, some branches to the the local black stars or the galaxies as we call it now because remember whilst we are playing the juvenile competitions in international competitions most players will get the chance to travel abroad the rest will remain in the league and a typical example is the last under 20 the last under 20 the last under 70 a lot of them are still in our league you understand what i'm saying so if you have a proper development a proper development most of these players should be able to transit to the, the, the galaxies, as we call them now. Check the last time we played the, we hosted um, Wafu, this is the Wafu Zombie Very well. Cup of Nations yes. in Cape Coast, sure. where Ghana was the eventual winners. Sure. We have some players who are still in the, in the system who are also doing very well. I remember when the first call-up was made, I saw the name of, I think, is it, I think, no, not, Former Midiama player, hmm. Vicente Atenga. Yes, that's, yes, that's the name. He was part of um, the. He was part of the Galazis. I saw Mohamed Alasa initial stages when the collapse were made. He was part of the Galazis. I saw Kaliba Man. Kaliba is it Kaliba Man? Very well. They were all part of. Where are those players? You see, we don't follow consistency in football development. Sometimes consistency plays a role. Some of the players that you used. To qualify the team to to Algeria were dropped. So we are not consistent. We don't have a solid program where we make sure that we follow it through. That is the problem. It is not about ranking. Ranking can be done because we've seen countries rank outside the world top 20 coming into major competitions and excelling. We've seen it all the time. We see it always. So it's not necessarily about the ranking. Yes, when you want to put those rankings in terms of the league, you need to, you need to put all the factors on the table. Let's go to the North, 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 North Africans. Egypt, Tunisia, Algeria. Egypt, Tunisia, Algeria. Let me use Morocco, these four countries. What have they done in terms of their football development? What have they done? Can we compare? Can we say same to us? We've all traveled, we've all been to these venues. In terms of even infrastructure, in terms of football, quality football pitches for major tournament. Ghana, yes. Under President Kufour, we had four beautiful stadiums, well built for, for major competitions. The Aliou Mahama Stadium, the Sipong, 
the Kumasi and Accra. What are the states now? Can we say same? Fortunately, we had one from late Professor Mills from Cape Coast Sports Stadium. So making it fine. What is the state of our venues currently? Now, let's pick the clubs involved. If you've been to Egypt, Ali is like a whole new... Ali as a club, I don't know how to come. You can compare Ali to the Real Madrid or the, the, the Barcelona's or the Manjus and all that. It, 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 it's a whole cult organization. People worship Ali, same as Zamalek. You go to Morocco, same. You go to Algeria, same. You go to Tunisia, the, the Esperance and all that, Club Africans and all that. Can we say same? Yes, here in Ghana, we can talk of the Wakumasias and Tikotoko and uh, Accra as well. And let me comment, at this point, let me comment uh, Tobi Afede for the role he's playing or what he's doing for Accra as You see, yes, it is true, we want to win trophies. But what Tobi is doing is setting up the standard first, getting the base, as I'm saying, getting the base, he's putting the base down so a solid foundation can be laid on the base. If players can get a very good accommodation to sleep, if right from my, my, my clubhouse, I can walk to the gym, right from the gym, there's a football field. And these are the things you need to put in place for a solid takeover, takeoff. And so for me, I think that Togo is doing well. The young man in Kumasi is also doing Anaya. When he came, he's taking up the Adakujachi project, he's doing it. So for me, I think that the clubs in between Kotoko and Hag, they are doing something right. For now, let's give them time. And then if the FA can complement what the clubs are also doing. When I say it, people will say that, oh, this is the responsibility of the clubs and all that. You see, as a football association, you need to put the framework for every club to follow. Framework, when I say... Framework, framework as in the club licensing exactly. regime. Exactly. Very well. Are we complying with club licensing? Well, I mean, from where I sit, um, we've had some major, you know, uh, we've, we've had some major milestones with the implementation of the uh, club licensing regime. For instance, um, certification of coaches who coach in the Premier League. That is now part of our skin, and that is full-blown now and um, you know we're adhering to it in terms of our pitches as well I mean we have to be honest I mean we've seen clubs get banned I mean venues get banned temporarily until they met the criteria I mean we could talk about the story of Liberty professionals uh, you know when they were in the Premier League and all of that so um, over there I can say where I've, we've seen one or two things being done of course these are not the only criteria under the uh, the club what about, the, what about the fi financial criteria? Very well, but, but See, we well, so so thing is, um, what my expectation is, or what I know, as has been communicated by your fraternity, which is the football fraternity, is that this is being implemented in stages. Yeah. Um. So, for instance, are we? Do you feel we're ready to have, for instance, a regime where you can ask clubs to pay? to have a certain minimum financial base, maybe one million US dollars for everybody. I have that, that financial buffer of one million dollars uh, you know, in your account before you can run in the Premier League. You, you're looking at something like that? That's not even the area I'm going. Mm. That's, that's because, of course, it's almost impossible. Mm. But the truth is that how well is our league packaged? How well is our league packaged to attract sponsorship, serious sponsorship? I'm not talking of the sponsorship of $1 million. No, that's not the sponsorship I'm talking of. Because we've enjoyed $3 million before. We've enjoyed $2 million before. Mm. So if in 2023, 2022, you are enjoying so $1 million. So $1 million per season is an apology for you? Of course. Okay. Of course. Not. You've enjoyed $3 million 10 years ago or 15 years or 12 years ago. You've enjoyed $2 million some years ago. No, but, but, yeah, but, but the two million and the three million you're talking about, at a certain point, they couldn't fulfill it. Yes. Uh, Capital Bank of Old. Yes. Uh, it was a tier three bank. Yes. They, uh, their, their management sat through, their consultants sat through, and they said, this is not something a tier three bank can... And we uh, went to God and we got our money. 
Well, you, you went to court and got the money? Yes, of course. In, you don't know the glow issue. Are you not aware of the Not glow. I'm talking about uh, I'm talking about Capital Bank. Yeah, Capital, Bank, Capital Bank. The last time I checked pay, the contract we signed, we almost, we almost got all our money. Well, almost, but not all. Well, but I'm saying that you can't be coming from a three million and a two million and go get because one I million. had a chat with uh, you know Mr. Nyantechi, who uh, I mean, under whom you served as vice president, and yeah. he told me that one of the difficulties that the FA had at the time was setting that precedent of taking a partner or a sponsor to court because then corporate Ghana was watching. So that was one of the difficulties. Yes, but that is true because there's a way you can always judge all. And you remember with the with the glow glow issue, remember how many years mm. we have to engage. You understand? How many years we have to engage. But that the issue is that we need to learn from the past. The fact that we commit, we, we made certain mistakes in the past, it means that we are expected to do things better now. Is that not the case? Before you go on, let me also, I mean, I'm looking at it from various angles. We're looking at the economic situation in the country as well. Yes. Um, corporate Ghana, the levels of spending when it comes to sponsorship support and um, grants and all these that fall within that bracket of giving back to society. Um, is that not a consideration such that we, we, we look at the, the economic situation in the country and say that maybe $1 million is decent considering the fact that um, generally the economy has gone through a very tough turn and because of that businesses are also struggling and it's difficult to get amounts as much as $3 million? That's, I have a different approach. Okay, tell me about it. To, to securing sponsorship for a product like the Premier League. Okay. And I'll explain. You see... I find it difficult to understand that when the Black Stars is the Black Stars are playing, we can get all the resources from government to fund it. But when the teams like Hasufo Kotoko are participating in club competitions in Africa, we can't fund the same. I find it difficult to understand. I think that the FA need to sit down with the sports ministry. And make a case for that matter government yes to make a case that yes our number one product apart from the black stars and in terms of football in ghana i'm talking of the premier league we need the government help for some states agencies to support the premier league i swear it's done well if you have a good rapport and you are able to explain you are able to put the numbers on the table to explain to government that no Mr. President, can you speak to gas, Ghana Gas, GMPC, Vodafone, to come to our aid? I think that if you make a genuine case and the president can understand that, yes, our number one league in Ghana needs sponsorship and the state must find a way to sponsor. Why not? I'll explain why you need to fund Premier Division in Ghana through a collaboration with the Ministry of Youth and Sports. Not if you look at this country, take out politics. There's only one product that unites the country, which is football. Irrespective of our house of folk or our Asante Kotoko or our Olympics, on every Sunday, a sporting activity engages the attention of the citizenry. And this is good for social development of our country. Mm. Every country, every government that does not pay heed to the youth, up, the, the, the upbringing of the youth, you are in, in, in serious trouble. You, you understand what I'm saying? So for me, I think that we, the FA need to, need to make a case before government. Make a case before government. Why you need government to support in securing sponsorship for the league? And I don't think this is far from where other countries have been able to do it and they've succeeded. I can mention a lot of countries where, even in, here in Nigeria here, state governments, state governments take over the running of leagues in their various jurisdictions. State governments. So I'm saying that in Ghana, if we are able to put the numbers and tell the president that, Mr. President, in every week, if we are able to get a sponsorship to take care, these are the number of people that football take care of. The number of people. Because remember, the clubs, when there's a football activity at a Crasport Stadium, there's a, a certain effect. Uh, yes. Mm. The byproducts. 
Sure. Everybody, including yourself. You're good. So we need to make a case. We need to make a case. And let government understand that, Mr. President, we need your support in order to secure a sponsorship for our Premier League. Yes, we'll do our part. We'll have to package our product in such a way that it will be appealing for, for corporate bodies to say that, yes, I'm interested to associate myself with football in Ghana. Fortunately, in recent times, the, the act of hooliganism are going down. We don't hear of too much of what used to happen in the past, which is a good sign. Mm. So we need to build on that to attract I hope you understand what I'm Very saying. Very well. So, I mean, all put together, it's not really going well. Yes. The running of our football is not really going well. Yeah. You see, when I speak, yeah. I know my, 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 my submission and my, my answers to most of these questions, they sound a bit controversial, but it still remains the facts. You see, in recent times, We've witnessed certain bad officiating where referees are not punished. Sometimes the punishment is kept in the dark. You don't even hear it. Sometimes you get the Federation even defending the act. We hear referees coming out boldly to apologize for mistakes. Yes, we accept that referees can make mistakes. But where one is going to a venue to watch a football match where he has already heard the score line in this case the the age of betting mm. but these these are these are not new these are not nouvelle to our football i mean uh for somebody going fans going to the stadium and, and knowing the score line ahead of time is not it's not new if we keep on saying this is not new then we are not ready to change that's not the problem. We, All I'm just saying is that... We, it has happened in the past. Very well. So, so we need to acknowledge we, that as, as we move it forward. It has happened, yes. Yeah. But I'm saying that the it's rate at which it's happening now, mm. the rate at which it's happening now, speak to the clubs. I talk to the clubs always. The fact is so that... it's gone from bad to worse. Of course. Of course. I have cataloged a number of incidents. In the coming days, I'll bring them up. Betting is affecting our game. Betting is affecting our game. Thankfully, the, the FA took a very drastic decision. Personally, I think that whether... I don't want to delve into, into it too much, hmm. but I can say that when you punish clubs, it serves as a deterrent. As we speak today, we are aware that certain clubs have been expelled or banned whatever way you want to. It's a good step. Whether you like it or not, it's a good step. But are they the only clubs who are doing it? Or they were just picked as an escape route? Are they if you were asked that question, what answer would you give to it? Personally, I think that betting still exists in our system. You've got evidence? Oh, I'm saying that. Personally, I still think that betting is still going on. Well, this Based is, on like you said, I mean, these are very heavy allegations. And, I mean, if you make them on uh, such a national oh, but, platform, but, then you, you but, should be but, able to... But, not some of us, we sit, and thankfully through your media, we see these things on TV where people mention the scoreline of, and then it comes to pass. We hear it every day. And it's not sheer coincidence. These are not sheer coincidence. But people predict games sometimes. You, we all do sometimes, and you, you know. Well, people do, but trust me, we need to get serious. If really we want to eradicate it completely, we need to get serious. Well, if you just joined us, we're having this conversation with former Ghana FA Vice President George Efriye. We've been talking about issues of organization of our league, the attractiveness of it, uh, the look and feel of our national teams, especially uh, the conversation around the Championship of African Nations that just rounded up in Algeria and Ghana's performance, Ghana's place over there. We'd like to now delve into the issue of you and your place within football administration, uh, you know, in the country. Before that, however, in recent days, we've heard about the you know, the suggestion that has been put before 
the Statutes Review Committee um, to look at, and that is to have more than two terms for whoever leads the Ghana FA as president. Uh, what's your view on it? Well, initially, I declined to comment, and then I've, I've received a lot of, um, a number of um, um, calls from various um, radio and television stations wanting my view and all that, and I declined to comment because I wanted to be sure whether this is not just mere speculation, because as a member of the Football Association, I have the opportunity to receive um, these proposals for consideration at the Cong Congress of the Ghana Football Association. But I've also listened to some members of the committee granting interview, specifically I heard my brother Oloboy trying to explain that yes, it's part of the document sent to the Executive Council for consideration. Now, um, I know that matters of this nature, when a committee is put in place to look at uh, status review, the committee is supposed to submit its findings and its proposal to the Executive Council, then the Executive Council will forward it onward for uh, Congress for ratification and then or otherwise. Now, if what I'm hearing is true, and I want to choose my words carefully, then I'll find it difficult to understand what informed that. Why am I saying that? Before normalization committee, the three terms existed in the books of CAF and FIFA. This was not new. People are making it look like the three term is just being put together or it's been there and we it is just been announced by FIFA and the GFA status review committee is just trying to put it in. No. Not. The three term existed before normalization committee came into being. So now my question is, I know that now the full loyal now the full naughty was part of the um, normalization committee. In fact, she was specifically in charge of the status review. And I also know that this one is also involved. And I know some members of the committee whose position I know before. I've heard them say it, say it several times on your network that, oh, Oracle Sinyantechi's term, the first term and the second term was very good. Now until the third term, things got messed up. I hear them saying every day. I hear them saying this on radio. So then my point is, we had a normalization committee. They came up with proposals for our status and all that, and we met and we discussed it and approved. Now, it will interest you to know that I participated in this uh, uh, status revision discussion throughout the period. In fact, the members of the normalization committee, specifically Madame, who was in charge of it, engaged some of us and sought our views. One of the areas which never came up is the three terms. There are other provisions in the statutes that we've talked about, like Article 39K, where we felt that powers given to the executive council now, there are powers that we think must be taken out from the executive council to be given to Congress. Remember, in recent times, the members, some members of the football family met in Kumasi and proposed some amendment. These were some of the things we, we talked about. We talked about Article 81.6, where the, in the previous, uh, in the current status, from uh, provision from the normalization committee, they were asking the Ghana Football Association to reduce uh, Division 1 from 48 to 18. So we have some part of the status that we also think that must be amended. But I'm so surprised that the one that we've never talked about, even when we engaged the normalization committee, even when FIFA came in, the one that we never talked about was the three terms. Because most of our people came saying that, oh, we think that the federation, even though with FIFA is 12 years, even though CAF is 12 years, we think that in Ghana here, we must go the Ghana way. Because those are no mandatory provisions under FIFA and CAF, the 12 years. And they are no mandatory. You can choose to say that in your country you want to do one term. FIFA doesn't care. You can choose to say you want to do the eight, eight years, the two terms. FIFA doesn't. If you can choose to also comply and do the 12 years, FIFA doesn't. But we choose what is practiced in our country, in our democratic dispensation. 
four years, four years for two terms for the president. But for the parliamentarian, you can go as many as. What is your personal view or your personal opinion on this matter? Um, do you do you subscribe to having a leadership or or a head of the FA who can stay there for an unlimited period of time, provided that Congress is in agreement with his leadership, his or her leadership, um, or you are looking at limited terms or term limits, if I may put it that way, which would you go for and what would be your reasons? You see, first of all, I want to understand the reason behind this suggestion from my members. I will, I will come to my personal view. Mm. But I want to understand. So I'm giving you a background what the position was before. I'm saying that these three terms already existed. It's not like it's something Fair. that is being brought up. It's there. From that is a fact. Cap. Yes. It's 12 years. But I'm saying that when the normalization committee took over and did amendments to our status, and the, why did they say that we should go for eight years? And why did most of our members comply with it? And nobody raised a voice. Okay. Now let's come back to the question where you asked him. My understanding in any any law, any law, any law that you put, be it the constitution of Ghana or whatever, for me, I think that you need to practice it over time to understand the defects and the benefits. First of all, as we speak, Ket Simon Kreko has not even finished, Mr. President Keto Kreko has not even completed his first term. So that we can access him to say that, oh, wait a minute, the president is even doing well. Let's, he's not even completed his first term. Because as for that provision, it's already there. If he goes to full two terms and the football association members or the Congress of the Ghana Football Association feels that, oh, we can amend our own to fall in line with CAF and FIFA, we can do it. Because it's already there. But why are you thinking about it now when you've not even completed your first step? Why are you thinking about it now? And some of the things I'm hearing, I don't want to believe it because I want to... I, that I'm hearing that... Uh, your last statement, is it to suggest that it's Kurt himself who's saying he wants it? This is a suggestion who, that is coming from... You see, you know? who put up members of uh, every committee, the FA president? At the sitting of the executive committee, the president can nominate out of the 11 people sitting there and say, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want so so so, so person form a committee. So he knows, he understands the people who understand him, maybe the people who are doing this revision. Because honestly, some of the things I know, they will never see the light of day. I'll give you an example. I hear, because we are going autonomous, because there's a proposal saying that our league is going autonomous. But you see, that thing, anytime I hear about it, then I said, oh, there's nothing like autonomous. If you say semi-autonomous, yeah, I understand. I don't see how our league can go autonomous. But be it as it may, this is what they are proposing. So let's see how it works. Because in four years, we are in the fourth league season of Kets administration. And there's no autonomous league. As far as I'm concerned, that was a campaign promise. That he will make sure that there's autonomous league. So if this, this season goes to an end, he has completed a four-year term by October. And there's no autonomous league. Now, my understanding from what the, some of the proposals that I'm hearing is that the premier division clubs are going to cede their powers to the league. So let's say we go to Congress and we want to take a decision. Maybe two or three or four, depending on how many number. From what I'm hearing, not even the number will not be more than six. Who go to Congress and represent the Premier Division? How is that possible? That a certain Tobu a certain Utunfo Upukuwari's team. I say it to you, mean. Utunfo said to two team. The club Asante Kotoko and Hasufu will not have a voice in Congress, but maybe a rep from among the cl league clubs who speak for them in Congress and take decisions for them. Rather, the bigger power is vested in Division 1 and women's football and the allied constituencies. How is that possible?
just gone by was a conversation with George Freire, former vice president of the Ghana Football Association. He spoke on, on a range of issues, which included the organization of the Ghana Premier League, which is suffering from a host of problems, which uh, not least the poor patronage of fans and also a lack of proper resources. He also, he also touched on you know, the reports that the executive committee of the Ghana Football Association wants to extend the term of office of the current administration and subsequent administrations. He also touched on, you know, the performances of the performance of Ghana's national teams across boards from the Ghana, from the Black Stars, the Black Galaxies, the Black Satellites, and uh, you know, who the national teams in the last year performances have not been good. They've actually plummeted. If you, if if you look across board, the Galaxies were knocked out of the chant in a very painful way, losing to Madagascar, losing to Niger, Ghana knocked out to the World Cup, winning just a single game, and the black queens and the black princesses having their own problems with failing to qualify for all and also suffering bans. But what we did here was to bring an abridged version of the full conversation. The full conversation will air on Sunday 9 p.m. Prime take on the Joy News channel. You do want to tune in. But while we look to sort out our issues internally, this gentleman keeps selling the best portraits of Ghana's football. Conchisau, Rens, well, uh, laag ingespeeld. Meneer Conchisau, Ajax in de 16 en wordt het ook gevallen. Ja, hier moet die treffer komen en die is daar. Van dichtbij slaat Kudus toe in de 70ste minuut. Lang uitgevoerde combinatie. Ajax op voorsprong. Mohamed Kudus. You will never stop hearing that name. You mark that on your wall. He's in a rich vein of form. Three goals in his last, three goals and an assist in his last five games for Ajax. In total, he has 13 goals this season. More than his last two seasons combined since he joined the Dutch Giants. Besides that, he has 15 goals for club and country from the start of the season. And since the World Cup ended, he's played six games. And as I already told you, he's had three goals and one assist. Last night, he did it again for Ajax, who beats FC20 in the Dutch FA Cup. He scored the only goal as Ajax won the game by a goal to nil. It's a new position for me, but the most important thing is um, having the freedom to, to play how I want to play and the coach gives me that, that, that freedom and I don't feel restricted from how I want to play so even though I still prefer to play as a midfielder but um, even if I play on the right wing you can see I still do my best for the team it's the team that's the most important thing, you, know, you know so it's a new position but it's good for my development as well so I just do my best to, to, to help the team win you know Well last night we all know Kudus as a midfielder but last night he played as a right winger which is stretching you know, the various, the various places he's played on the field for Ajax this season. Before Alfred Kruder was sacked, he was played as a false nine. He also played, you know, right behind the striker as a second striker. And yesterday was a new one for Mohamed Kudus playing as a right winger. But he did not fail to score, extending his goal scoring tally. With me in the studio was my colleague, Lawrence Beidou. How are you doing, Lawrence? Yeah, I'm good, Mish. If you look at the season so far for Mohamed Kudus, was one which was not really expected. Obviously, we already knew about his talent and we knew about how exciting he can be and uh, what the potential he has, the, the, the gulf of the potential he has. But this vein of form, it's, it's, is it a purple patch or it's one which has been long in coming? Um, I don't think it's, it's a fluke because if you look at the kind of games he played in his first season for Ajax, he had the potential. He had what it take to um, get to the top until that injury he suffered, which ruled him out for quite a long time. He came back and then he wasn't getting the game time. The third season for Ajax, um, I think in the preseason, he started something magical. He comes into the start of the season and then he decide, um, the coach decides to bench him. It, was, it wasn't a good idea, but at the end, it paid off as he was being played out of position. He demanded to play more because he was delivering. Shredder didn't find the need to because there was Bobby who was a typical number nine. But anytime you play Mohamed Kudus, even as a false nine, he delivered. I think it's all about confidence for him right now. And he doesn't seem to be stopping any moments now. Right. But you look at uh, the window he's, he's come from. And you, there are some who suggest that although he seems to be getting and bagging the goals and then his new 
manager Heitinger be, uh, believes in his potential, believes in the goods he has to offer. There are some who believe that he should still have pursued the move to a much more, you know, well-marketed and well-branded league like, a, like the English Premier League just to play with the likes. Just to play in a, in a system like Everton, who even though they are struggling, there are some people who suggest he should have moved from uh, Netherlands. You know, when these transfer talks come up, like every Ghanaian, you want to see the best of your talents play in the Premier League, play in the Spanish La Liga, play in the Bundesliga. But then after the timing also had a part to play. Um, Mohamed Kudus was patient. You look at uh, was patient. You look at what he did at Ajax. At some point, he boycotted training, but then he knew what he wanted. It was the reason why after the World Cup, people were demanding that he played a lot. And at the moment when um, he wasn't playing and Ajax wasn't too, doing too well, they decided to sack the manager. They don't continue to bench Mohamed Kudus. Heitinger comes in. And then for someone like Heitinger, he worked with Mohamed Kudus, if you remember, while yeah. he was on his way from um, recovery. He worked with him. Mohamed Kudus scored five goals in five games for Ayatis, Young Ayas. Yeah. So uh, it tells you the kind of mentality he's been given by the coach yesterday. If you listen to his post-match comments, he says he's been given the freedom to do what he wants to do. And that is the kind of mentality you want to see from these players. Because for a manager to tell you he doesn't only care about results, but he's also a fan of the game and that he enjoys Mohamed Kudus, it, it means a lot for you as a player. And then it means you have been given the freedom to do what you want. Yesterday, when they needed a spark in life, he had to take Klassen off, push Mohamed Kudus to a fav- his favorite number 10 role, and then take Konskau to the right wing. But <laughs> you speak about this position, and if the manager knows. Kudus is more effective as a midfielder. Why does stubbornness? He's not the, he's not the only one. He's the second consecutive uh, head to do that. Why is that stop? What do you think that stubbornness is coming from? I, I don't want to believe it's stubbornness because you and I watched Mohamed Kudus at the World Cup. Even you and I saw him playing from the wing sometimes. And then it's one thing that Heitinger has been able to utilize of him because he wants to go on the wings, cutting... because. When the ball, anytime the ball falls on his left, you know what he's about to do. To, and then he has the knack to pick the spaces that defenders leave behind. Yeah. If you have such a player who is able to... Special awareness. Exactly. It makes, it makes the work quite easier for you as a manager. And then he makes it, he makes it quite a versatile player for you to use him. Yeah, he spoke about his versatility being uh, you know, a strong point for Ajax. But if you are the owner of Ajax or the head coach of Ajax, you know very soon that definitely this, this talent is not going to... Uh, sit in the Netherlands for at least no, no more than two seasons. If Kudus wants to be a good boy, he might see out this season and see out next season as well, full season with them next season. Now, let's fast forward. Next season comes to an end. Now the big boys are coming in. You are Kudus or you are Kudus' uh, advisor. Which club are you picking? Looking at the clubs he's been linked to, there's a mention of Liverpool. At some point, Manchester United came in and then there's Borussia Dortmund. If I'm Kudus at the age of 23 by next season, obviously I, I would think Borussia Dortmund is a good deal for me. Because if you look at the kind of talent that Borussia Dortmund has been able to produce in the last three years or in the last couple of years, you look at Jadin Sancho, you look at Usman Dembele, who was brilliant before his move to Barcelona. Stop, we don't know what has happened. <laughs> so, so you look at some of these talents and you are thinking, I've got to go to Borussia Dortmund to better. Obviously, it depends on the kind of coach um, you are going to work with. But then the new coach at Borussia Dortmund isn't bad. He, if you look at the development of uh, Ellen Haaland, he started it. He worked with Otuado as well. So it wouldn't be a bad move to go to Borussia Dortmund. However, the APL is always a, 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 a league that players want to play their Especially trading. since his very close friend, Suleiman, is there. Come don't on, you, Don't you think that's, that's going to uh, you know, feed into that decision? Well... It might play a role, but it also depends on what you, the player, want as a project. If it doesn't fit you at the moment, I don't think you, you should go Definitely for it. Definitely, you'll be looking for trophies. And, and at Dortmund, it's not really guaranteed, is it? Well, with a, it depends on, on the kind of players they bring in. Because if you are moving to Dortmund, obviously, expect some big signings in, in order to compete with Bayern Munich. You can't play Bayern Munich with the academy boys, obviously. So you have to make the big investment, put away that youth policy. Not entirely, but then try to inc- incorporate some big signings in order for them to, to also challenge Bayern Munich. Because you can't always leave it for them. In the past five or so years, Bayern Munich have dominated the Bundesliga. It doesn't look good. The only trophy Dortmund have had to rely on is the DFV Pokal.
Right. And up next for Mohamed Kudus and his boy band of Ajax boys. <laughs> That'll be our Casey Walwick and the RDVC. They've won that title about 37 times, about 36 times, looking for a 37th. But they currently lie third in the table. But just four points behind AZ Alkama, who are currently winning by five goals to nil. They are trumping Excelsa. <laughs> and that speaks about the competition in the RDVC at, at, at the moment. I, I, I think Ayas have, haven't been able to take their chances this season. Because if you look at the kind of point um, results that they had to draw points, if they had won that game, probably they would have been in the lead with some some point difference at now. And Seven then draws so far this season. Exactly. It doesn't actually tell the picture. I, I feel they still have a long way to go. There's still more time, more games to be played. So four points is something, but it's nothing. Why are you saying four points is something, but it's nothing? <laughs> we all know Ayas in the ADVC. It looks like Bayern Munich finishing probably fifth in the first half of the season. Then we go to the winter break, come back, and then they are firing all... All corners. All guns blazing, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how that goes with Mohamed Kudus and Ajax. Strike one the top round of games coming up for them. But definitely, if they want to get back into that title race and get it to seventh, our Casey Warwick should be easy me for them. They'll play in the Europa League when uh, club football, no, when European football returns next week, facing off Union Berlin in the first leg at home on Thursday before coming back to Eredivisie to play Sparta Rotterdam. We'll see how that goes, but for now, let's do some English football. Three minutes to the top of the hour, 8 p.m. We'll have to cross over to Labadi Beach Hotel where the boys are waiting, where the men are waiting, your DJs, your favorite DJs are waiting with the weekend warmer. But... The weekend will not be any warmer for the likes of Chelsea and Liverpool. They like ninth and 10th, doing some real twin stuff this season. And also this weekend, some really tough games coming up for them. Chelsea are going away to West Ham. Early kickoff tomorrow, 12.30 p.m. And for those investors, they know what an early kickoff means. <laughs> you don't want to back the early kickoff. And Liverpool will be playing at home to Everton. And if you know what happened last season when Everton beat Liverpool by two goals nil at Anfield, you know very well that with this form they are currently in, they will not want to face Everton at home because Sean Dyche is in the building. Lawrence, Chelsea have signed a whole new squad. Mm. You have Enzo Fernandez, you have Fofana, you have Yao Badiashi, Felix. you have Yao Felix. I mean, there's Mudrik. There's Mudrik as well. There's also. I won't call him a new signing, but with, with, with his uh, uh, transfer to PSG feeling, obviously he has to get renewed mind. Then ZH. ZH and yeah. also uh, obviously Mordeki and all of that. Uh, Chelsea is a club of trophies, but at the moment it doesn't look like they are going to even win it, it, the milk team uh, this season. It, it, it's part of those seasons where you enjoy that. I think they've been brilliant in the last few years. Um, they are trying a new thing under a new owner. So you expect them to struggle a bit. I, I don't think West Ham are going to really be a challenge. Looking at the kind of players Chelsea have now and then the way they, they are going to settle because after the first game for some of the, these players, they come into a new week having trained with new teammates, settled. Ha, they've had a week to settle. And then you have Jao Felix coming back from suspension. So. But to be fair, they also had a week to settle before they uh, uh, used 0-0 with Fulham, you didn't they? Uh, well, you could, you could make a case for that, but Fulham are actually playing some good football at the moment. Uh, for a team that has come from relegation to be in the top half of the table, tells you a good story. So it wasn't for Chelsea's level or pedigree, it was bad. But from a fan's perspective, or from a football fan's perspective, that was quite a good one. We'll see how that goes tomorrow. Chelsea versus West Ham kickoff, uh, 12 30 p.m. But Liverpool, let's just wrap up with Liverpool a minute to eight with. With, with this midfield issues they're having, some big names are being thrown around. It's, this morning, it was reported that Jude Bellingham will prefer a move to Liverpool instead of Chelsea because he doesn't believe in the Chelsea project.